0: Hi, everyone. Welcome to Lifelong Podcast, episode 79. I am your host, Heidi O'Brien, and I appreciate you being here. Today, I have a solo episode for you, and it is the holidays. Christmas is right around the corner. I wish you all the merriest Christmas, the happiest holidays, and Happy New Year. Anyways, today, like I said, solo episode, I wanted to dive into sugar this week. I think it's very relevant, especially with this time of year, with sweets being a big thing around the holidays. I myself have been doing a lot of baking, making a lot of Christmas cookies, and all the fun things. So yeah, sugar has been top of mind. I also have been chatting with some friends about sugar and sweeteners and stevia and all the different things, and I thought it would be a great opportunity to compile it into an episode for you all. I will have to remind you guys that this is all just my professional opinion. It's not medical advice, so before you make any big changes, definitely consult a medical professional. This does not substitute medical advice. This is my opinion, and I have done a lot of digging into these kinds of things over the years as I live and breathe health and wellness. I've been on this path since I was 15 years old, and it is the best path to be on. So today, let's talk about sugar and sweeteners and everything that you should know. So, all sugar is bad, right? No, not exactly. I am going to kind of debunk that throughout the episode, but there are so many misconceptions around sugar, around sweeteners of all different kinds. I also think the language around it is very confusing. For example, equating refined sugar in a processed food to The same thing as natural sugar in an organic piece of fruit, it gets very confusing and complicated because people are calling the same thing sugar when they are two completely different things. So we definitely need a nuanced understanding. And I'm going to dive into that in the episode here. So let's start out by talking about the Problem with sugar. So, sugar, as you know, unless you live under a rock, sugar is not the best thing for your health, generally speaking. Okay. But let's talk about natural and added sugars, AKA refined sugars. So, natural sugars are inherently present in whole foods like fruits and dairy, and they're accompanied by fiber, and essential nutrients and minerals that contribute to overall health. In contrast, added or refined sugars are extrinsic sweeteners incorporated during food processing, lacking the nutritional benefits of natural sugars, and they're often associated with health risks. So I will go into those health risks in just a minute, but the Prevalence of added sugars in processed foods is probably the biggest red flag here. So, refined sugar is added by food, food manufacturers to increase flavor and extend shelf life. Also, a lot of times they are using the cheapest possible kinds of sugar, and there are tons of different names for sugars, which also adds to the, the complication But a lot of times they're using high-fructose corn syrup, which is very shelf-stable and it doesn't crystallize and it's easier to sell uh, to the masses, like to a food manufacturer. For example, if you're going to the grocery store, you're probably not going to be buying high-fructose corn syrup. You'll probably be buying some refined cane sugar or something like that. But when the food manufacturers were using Uh, and I'm talking about like the big food manufacturers with these big processed foods, when they were using those kinds of sugars, it actually would, would crystallize and become like crunchy or the texture could become off and the shelf life would not be as long as something with like a high fructose corn syrup. Also, sugar in general will extend that shelf life. So with big food the main thing they are looking for is to increase profits and you can do that by extending shelf life so that you don't they don't have to throw out so in the standard american diet the top sources for sugar are in sodas fruit drinks flavored yogurts cereals oh my gosh cereal is a huge one cookies cakes candy, and honestly most processed foods. But refined sugar is also present in items that you might not even think of as being sweetened. For example, some of these packaged foods like canned soups or bread, cured meats, and even ketchup. So this is really why I advocate for reading food labels and consuming real whole foods as much as possible. Better yet, scratch made. That's something I have been striving to do is making a lot of things from scratch, so there are some all alarming statistics out there about the average adults added in added sugar intake. Americans consume way too much sugar. adult men actually take in an average of twenty four teaspoons of added sugar per day twenty four teaspoons of added sugar per day, according to the National Cancer Institute institute that is. That is equal to 384 calories. However, I don't care about calories. As you probably know, I say count chemicals, not calories. I think the point that the National Cancer Institute was trying to make is that is a lot of unnecessary amounts of sugar that the average adult male is intaking on a daily basis. So, 24 teaspoons. Can you picture that? It's crazy to me. And this is not like fruit sugar from some strawberries. This is sugar from, you know, sodas and cereals and high fructose corn syrup hidden in cereal. And oh my gosh, it is super, super alarming. When eating all of this sugar, refined sugar, that is, there are so many health concerns. Excessive consumptions of sugar is associated with so many different health concerns, and the list is as follows. Weight gain and obesity, increased risk of type 2 diabetes, dental issues, cardiovascular health problems, insulin resistance and metabolic syndrome, liver health problems, increased inflammation, addiction and cravings, poor mental health. And even cancer. And I want to dive deep into cancer for a second because I found an article on Harvard Medical's website where they were summarizing research done on sugar and cancer. Added sugars increased the risk of esophageal cancer, while added fructose, like high fructose corn syrup, appeared to increase the risk of cancer in the small intestine. Other research hints at a connection between high intake of added sugars and colon cancer. Also, by the way, colon cancer is freakishly on the rise, especially in adults under 50. You should check out Dr. Keneally on Instagram. She has been sharing about this for a while. But the sugars and colon cancer, this higher risk remained even after adjusting for colon cancer risk factors like being overweight or obese or having diabetes. So they were pinpointing it specifically to refined sugar. Refined sugar could also increase the risk of breast cancer tumors and metastasis to the lungs. The University of Texas medical doctor Anderson Cancer Center published a 2016 study finding high amounts of dietary sugar in the typical Western diet, it seems to affect an enzymatic signaling pathway known as 12-LOX in a way that increases breast cancer risk. Okay, wow, that was a mouthful. Again, this is coming from an article on Harvard's medical website, so just bear with me while I kind of read through some of these stats because I saw this and I'm like, oh my gosh, I need to share about this. I've always known that refined sugar is not, good and not healthy, but I actually didn't realize the connection between it and cancer besides like the obesity link with cancer. So the researchers pinpointed fructose, a component of table sugar and high fructose corn syrup as the responsible sugar facilitating lung moustache in the breast tumor studies. Previous epidemiological studies have shown that dietary sugar intake has an impact on breast cancer development, with inflammation thought to play a role. In the animal study, 30% of mice on starch-controlled diet exhibited tumors. The sucrose-enriched diets, 50-58% to had mammary tumors. Sucrose is the main component of table sugar. The breast cancer was more likely to spread to the lungs in the mice fed the sucrose or fructose enriched diet compared to the starch controlled diet. So, because I went through mold illness, I need to spend a few minutes here talking about mold and sugar and also on a similar note. So, personally, I think that diets to combat mold or candida truly don't cut it. There is so much more that needs to be done, such as figuring out the root cause and then detoxing. So for me, I actually, when I was healing from mold illness, I had a diet that I shouldn't say primarily consisted of, but a large percentage of my diet was organic fruit. And For me, that worked for me. I think it was the micronutrients and minerals and all those things within it that my body truly needed in even like the cell salts and the hydration from the fruit, the antioxidants, the polyphenols, all the super healing components were what my body needed in addition to all of the detoxification protocols and lifestyle changes. So I think a lot of people get really hung up on, you know, these restrictive diets and thinking, oh, I really need to avoid sugar because I have uh, candida overgrowth or because I have mold illness or whatever. And what I encourage folks to think about is natural sugar versus refined sugar. So, These natural sugars will definitely have more healing components because they're coming from natural sources and they're also, you know, paired up usually with fiber, which, you know, is better for your overall and metabolic health. But these refined sugars feed the yeast and bad bacteria that can damage the intestinal wall and contribute to a leaky gut, but I just don't think that we should be equating natural sugar to refined sugar. And then also, I don't think we should be putting all of the blame on the sugar. And and trust me, this is an episode talking about kind of the bad side of sugar. I'm not an advocate for a sugary diet, per se. Well, by any means. But natural sugars, I advocate for fruit. I advocate for eating fruit, especially if you're going to be pairing it with some protein and fat. And usually fruit has fiber, especially like berries. I just, you know, wanted to chat a little bit about mold, candida, and sugar because the natural sugar is not really the problem. There's a deeper root cause going on that is the problem. It's not that you are eating some maple syrup it's not that you were eating some strawberries. It's that you have a fungal overgrowth due to cause that you need to get to the bottom of. So it doesn't hurt to eat lower sugar, even lower natural sugar, but it, I think it does hurt when you're missing out on these beneficial nutrients from organic fruit. And I know this is such a highly like heated, debatable topic, but just wanted to share kind of my opinion there. We're all entitled to our own opinions on this, sharing also kind of what worked for me, but really, your body should be in a place of balance where it can handle natural sugar in small amounts, and people are gonna come at me potentially, but I am not worried about that because. I love fruit and I will advocate for fruit and I will advocate for raw honey and maple syrup and even dates for all of their healing properties that I think a lot of times some people in the wellness space, especially like carnivore, whatever, keto, like people get so afraid of fruit sometimes. And I'm not just singling out those diets. I just don't think natural sugar is a problem. Refined sugar, no, it's not great we should definitely be eating balanced meals with a carb, fat, fiber, and protein, especially from organic ethical sources. But then when it comes to avoiding or necessarily restricting certain food groups, gluten, conventional dairy, refined sugars, and industrial seed oils are far more problematic than natural sugar when it comes to mold and candida. So That's my two cents on sugar and mold illness and candida. Okay, how about low-calorie sweeteners? Just because they are low-calorie does not mean that they are healthy. Can we shout that from the rooftops? Literally. Like, I should do an episode all about calories and just kind of like debunking calories. Calories are definitely not the problem, and what happens when For example, think of like a soda that says zero sugar or zero calories. Do you truly believe that that is going to be healthier? It is not. Because what happens is when something is removed, something has to be added in. So now we're adding in dangerous food additives, carcinogenic food additives. And it becomes this crazy game of, honestly, like linguistics, removing words or adding low or adding free or whatever it is to get the product to sell. But then plugging in these food manufacturers are then essentially adding in junk additives that are detrimental to human health. So what are some of these problems with these low-calorie sweeteners? So taste preference, and overeating. Some studies suggest that the intense sweetness of low-calorie sweeteners may alter taste preference and increase cravings for sweet foods. This potentially can lead to overeating and an increased intake of junk food. It also leads to metabolic effects. There is ongoing research on the impact of low-calorie sweeteners on metabolism and glucose regulation. Some studies have suggested associations between artificials artificial sweetener consumption and metabolic changes. There are also emerging research about the potential effects of low-calorie sweeteners on the gut microbiome. Changes in the composition of gut bacteria could have implications for metabolic health. Also, weight management. Paradoxically, actually, some studies have suggested that the consumption of low-calorie sweeteners may be associated with gain over time. Reasons are not entirely clear, but could be related to various factors, including changes in tough taste preferences and metabolic responses. There are also psychological effects. The use of low-calorie sweeteners may contribute to a safety blanket mentality where individuals feel justified in consuming more calories overall because they're using a low-calorie sweetener. This mindset could potentially undermine weight management efforts. There also is the risk of developing a sweet tooth. So, introducing sweetness without calories may affect taste perception and increase the preference for sweet tasting foods, potentially influencing overall diet patterns. Okay, there are tons of different low calorie artificial artificial sweeteners out there, but one most people have probably heard of is aspartame. And I want to chat about aspartame for a second. So, there are a lot of different health concerns related to aspartame. Actually, recently, the the WHO declared it as a carcinogen. Also, there are migraine and headache concerns. People report experiencing headaches or migraines after consuming aspartame. Also, there are neurological and behavioral effects. Some studies have explored potential associations between aspartame and neurological or behavioral effects. And there also is an issue for individuals with a rare genetic disorder called phenyl or PKU, which basically, because aspartame contains phenylalanine, an amino acid, These people with PKU cannot metabolize phenylalanine properly, and these high levels of this amino acid can be harmful to them. So aspartame-containing products typically carry a warning sign for those with PKU. Okay, now let's talk about sugar versus fat. So you probably are familiar with my opinion on fats. I did an episode that blew up with Really Tan Man, all about seed oils. And I've been educating you all about seed oils. And there is so much shady business, around, literally business, around seed oils and heart disease and fat and heart health. And it's so murky and messed up. You should definitely listen to that episode. I'll link it in the show notes. But let's talk about sugar and fat. So many point fingers at dietary fats for heart disease, but it turns out there is more to the story. In a surprising revelation back in 2016, a sugar industry scandal came to light. It exposed a scheme where the sugar lobby funded deceptive research at Harvard in the 1960s. Their goal? To divert attention away from sugar's negative health impacts and instead place the blame on naturally occurring fats, particularly saturated fats. The outcome of this questionable research led to the widespread belief that the key to preventing coronary heart disease was simply reducing cholesterol intake and swapping saturated fats for polyunsaturated fats. Fast forward to 2014 and new scientific evidence emerging, it showed that consuming too much added sugar significantly increases the risk of cardiovascular disease-related mortality. Shockingly, individuals who get 17 to 21 percent of their calories From added sugar face a 38% higher risk of dying from cardiovascular disease, compared to those with only 8% of their calories from sugar. And for those who consume 21% or more of their calories from added sugar, the relative risk is more than double. This is absolutely wild. So, and this is also not the first time that there was lobbying money and businesses and people getting buddy-buddy to push an agenda on the American public to believe a certain thing, to believe that butter was bad, to believe that beef tallow was bad, when really it was refined sugar that was bad. And also, at the time, The newly introduced seed oils, toxic petroleum sludge oils, were to blame. So, I don't have a lot of trust in the big food industry personally, but I had to spend a second talking about fat and sugar and heart disease because you deserve to know this information too. Which reminds me if you know of anyone that would benefit from the information shared on lifelong podcast now is a great time to hit share and send it to someone who would really benefit from this because i'm on a mission to make non-toxic living easy and accessible for all and i couldn't do it without your help in spreading the word so i really really appreciate you helping me out there yep shameless plug but we gotta grow the show i am so grateful for you Okay, shifting from my little gratitude moment and going back to shady business. How many of you heard about the scandal that took place this summer, summer of 2023, where several dietitians took to TikTok and Instagram to c- to claim The carcinogenic warnings on aspartame were based on low-quality science and were just fear-mongering headlines. Unbeknownst to their followers, these health professionals were paid by American Beverage, a lobbying group that represents companies like Coca-Cola and PepsiCo. You heard it. There was a lobbyist influence on nutritionists with an Instagram and TikTok platform. So over social media they encouraged kids to eat candy and ice cream and advised parents to give their kids candy with their meals and encouraged people to just kind of be intuitive and not be scared of aspartame and you can, you know, drink the soda and eat the junk food in balance and moderation because that's healthy. And they even had a hashtag that I'm sure was provided by the lobbying group, in their contract, which was hashtag of Aspartame. Isn't that terrible? If you hadn't heard about that now until now, it's crazy. Like, It gets you thinking, too, about social media and about these paid partnerships and these ads that are just kind of being fed to us on a daily basis from people that we love and we trust and we follow when really it's our subconscious is just kind of slowly getting infiltrated with corporations and this isn't always the case you know i've had the privilege to partner with companies that i am aligned with and i know there are tons of other creators out there who will only partner with people who they are in alignment with but it's absolutely not always the case there's even people that i follow that i that i personally love and trust and then i've seen them Post something, and I'm like, oh my gosh, like, this is so not you. Like, this is so crazy. And it's really problematic when the user, the individual on the social media platform, is not aware that it's an ad. So these dietitians in particular got a ton of heat from the Federal Trade Commission because it wasn't clear that they were paid by this lobbying group. And even if it was clear, like, that's still really a crappy campaign. Like, that's a terrible campaign. Safety of aspartame? Creating a campaign after the WHO declares it a carcinogen so that they can cover their ass? Like, no thanks. That is just horrible. Anyways, let's move right along. Let's keep it upbeat. It's almost Christmas. Merry Christmas to you all. Happy holidays. Whatever you... Celebrate. A couple things to keep in mind about sugar. So, natural sweeteners can alter your blood sugar too. So, it's always wise to consume protein and fat and fiber along something sweet, even fruit. The fruit has fiber, which is good. So, pairing it with a protein and a fat would be really beneficial. Also, zero sugar does not equate healthy. A lot of times sugar-free foods are replaced with junky additives. Okay, now we have to talk about stevia, which quite honestly, stevia could get its own podcast episode. Stevia is a popular plant-based sweetener derived from the leaves of the stevia plant. It's gained widespread recognition for being calorie-free and having a low glycogen index. This makes it an appealing choice, particularly for individuals with diabetes and those concerned about weight management. However, there are a lot of concerns surrounding stevia, such as gut microbiome disruption, endocrine disruption, quality concerns, taste bud alterations, and blood pressure alterations. Let's dive deeper into this. First, let's talk about stevia's potential impact on the gut microbiome. What is the gut microbiome? The gut microbiome is a complex ecosystem of bacteria, fungi, and other microorganisms residing in the digestive tract. It plays a pivoted role, pivotal role in influencing various aspects of health from digestion and immune system function to heart health and mental well-being. The balance of good and bad bacteria in the gut is crucial for overall well-being. An imbalance is known as dysbiosis, which is linked with a range of health conditions. Several studies have indicated that the consumption of stevia may disrupt the delicate balance of bacteria in the gut, leading to digestive issues such as bloating, gas, and diarrhea. Additionally, stevia has been associated with the inhibiting the the absorption of certain essential nutrients, including calcium, magnesium, and zinc. Furthermore, research has highlighted that stevia in particular can create an imbalance in the gut microbiome, making it challenging for bacteria to communicate effectively with each other. While it is important to note that stevia is not necessarily the worst sweetener available, especially when compared to artificial sugars, there are alternative sweeteners that may have fewer potential drawbacks. Some of those that I love are Raw honey, organic maple syrup, organic dates, and organic coconut sugar. These do not seem to negatively impact the gut microbiome. And these alternatives not only offer sweetness, but also provide additional nutrients and may have a less disruptive effect on the delicate balance of microorganisms in the digestive system. But going back to stevia and its health effects, stevia also wreaks havoc on the endocrine system. A study published in May 2016 in Molecular and Cellular Endocrinology revealed that stevia metabolite steviol exhibited the ability to enhance progesterone production and trigger a response in cat spur, a progesterone receptor found in sperm. Progesterone, a hormone released by the ovaries, plays a significant role in both menstruation and the early stages of pregnancy the study found that stevia might function as an endocrine disruptor potentially interfering with hormonal processes. Adding to the complexity, Harvard Health Highlights research indicates certain non-sugar sweeteners have been associated with weight gain and obesity despite their usage to address these very issues. Now, isn't that paradoxical like we chatted about earlier? Something else that I found really fascinating and I definitely need to dig into the research more is that, is that the stevia plant is used by the women of the Guarani Indians in Brazil. Brazil, ah, oh, Can you cut that out? Something else that I found really fascinating and I need to dig into the research a little bit more is that traditionally the stevia plant is used by the native women in Brazil to control fertility. And that blew my mind. Like I said, I need to dig into the research there. But if a plant compound is able to impact your ability to conceive, that is significant. Like, what's going on here? And there are so many different kinds and variations of stevia. I'm not someone who thinks stevia is bad per se, but I think that stevia is not great. And I think that there are so many better options out there. And I personally don't like when there's so many great organic food brands out there, even a protein powder brand that I like out there, when they're just adding stevia. My friend just bought some organic tea, the really high quality ingredients, and then the last ingredient is stevia leaf. And it's like, why? Like, why do we need to keep adding sweetness? Like, Some people out there, like me and this friend and many other people, we actually don't prefer sweet. This was an herbal tea, meant to taste herbal, not to taste sugary. So there's a lot of murkiness with stevia. One other thing, too, is that it can alter your taste buds. It makes food hyperpalatable. And hyperpalatable foods are ones that are engineered to be highly rewarding to the brain, often by combining um, multiple elements of sweetness, saltiness, and fat contents. And these foods are carefully designed to be exceptionally tasty and appealing, triggering a strong desire to consume more. To consume more. The term hyperpalatable refers to the heightened level of palatability or taste appeal that these foods possess. So, stevia makes food hyperpalatable. It is significantly sweeter than sucrose or table sugar, And as a result, when individuals switch from sugar to stevia, the heightened sweetness can influence taste perception. So over time, taste buds may adapt to the increased sweetness, potentially impacting the perceived sweetness of other foods. Manufacturers often use stevia in combination with other sweeteners or flavor enhancers like natural flavors, artificial flavors, maltodextrin, and even sugar sometimes to achieve a more balanced taste profile. So this specific blend then then alter your taste buds even more. So definitely if you are consuming stevia, like let's say you have a little bottle of organic stevia leaf, make sure you're reading the ingredients. Like you do not want to be consuming natural flavors with it, do you? So that's my two cents on stevia. It's another highly debated one out there. All in all, I don't love stevia. I don't hate it. I think there is a time and a place, but for me, I I don't consume it. I think it's better than a lot of things out there, and there are a lot of people who really prefer sweetness, but I would encourage folks to try natural alternatives that have health benefits and that don't harm the body, such as organic maple syrup, organic dates, organic coconut sugar, and raw honey. Those are my favorites. We covered a lot of ground in this episode from sugar to low-calorie and artificial sweeteners to the dangers of all these different things to stevia and to natural sugars and fruit sugar and mold and candida and sugar, and also my favorite natural sweeteners. So I hope that this episode resonated with you. It is kind of sugary season over here. Maybe go bake some yummy cookies with some coconut sugar or some protein balls with some organic raw honey. Whatever it is, post it on Instagram and tag at at lifelong underscore pod. And I would love to see what you are creating with your natural sugar sweetener of choice. Thank you all. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. One more thing before you go. Are you subscribed to Lifelong Podcast? Have you left a rating and review? Are you following along on Instagram at Lifelong_Pod and at holistic with Heidi? If you're not doing so already, consider doing it to support our show and to help spread this message near and far. Thank you all, and we'll see you next week.